Everybody ready for some word? Acts chapter 2. Acts, the second chapter. We've been in this series for the last couple of weeks, few weeks, month, something like that. Uh, Let's get together. We've been talking about the value of different types of gatherings that should take place in the body of Christ. Okay, we've got the large meetings like this, this type of setting and and the way that ministry takes place in this environment, that is corporate worship, that is the teaching of the Word. Uh, you know, we share testimonies, but, you know, they're read. They're the ones that you send in prior to the service, and we read those. There's not live testimonies, gen- generally speaking, in this environment. And so we do a lot of good things. Of course, there's salvations and a lot of exciting things happening in this type of gathering. Uh, but not everything happens in this setting, right? This isn't the only way that God works. This isn't everything that God's doing. He also moves in, uh, in times when we are gathered in smaller groups where there can be prayer one for another, where there can be uh, the sharing of testimonies. The, how many know there's no Q&A in here today? I mean, not, not that we're opposed to it, just wouldn't work very well. Okay, there's not a lot of interaction in in that way. But in other settings, that's, you know, very doable and and very helpful many times. And like I've been sharing uh, over the last number of weeks, what many are missing in their spiritual life is an outlet. They, They are receiving good things from the Lord. They're gathering in meetings like this and doing things on their own where they're receiving uh, revelation and answers to prayer, and, and God is doing good things in their life, but they don't have a specific way to release that into somebody else, to tell the story, okay? Some people are getting a little tiny outlet on Facebook, but, but I'm telling you, I don't really think that's sufficient, okay? And others, they really need the, the collaboration with other people who have been there, done that, and they're there right now, and they need to do that, Meaning get victory, meaning have answers, meaning have revelation and truth that will make them free. And so our church is growing larger and we want it to grow smaller at the same time as it grows larger. All right. Uh, I preach direct and sometimes that makes it get smaller. (laughs) But uh, that's... (laughs) I don't do that for that end, it's just the way things are. But uh, I want it to grow smaller, not in that regard. I don't want this gathering to grow smaller, but I want us to have uh, the opportunity to be together and to have relationships like they did in the early church, okay? And the world needs some people to step up as leaders. They really do. They need someone who will go first, because a whole bunch of people are not going to go first. They're going to go second. They're looking for someone who will pave the way, who will lead the way, who will say, this is how things work, and they'll be willing to open up their life and their voice to speak into other people's lives. And so they're looking for leaders, and our, I tell you, our growth is contingent upon it. Your personal, spiritual development and growth is contingent upon you stepping into a role where God can flow through you and not just to you, okay? Let, let's read our scripture over here in Acts chapter 2. The 42nd verse reads, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in 
prayer. So they didn't just start, they didn't just get saved and say, okay, we're good to go, I'm going to go back to my old life now. Uh, No, everything changed, and that change, they changed the direction of their life, and they continued in these practices, and it produced good results. The NIV reads that they devoted themselves to these practices. They devoted all right. So not just, I devote my life to the Lord. Well, of course we do. Of course we do that. That's salvation. We dedicate our lives to Him. Uh, but then they also devoted themselves to certain practices that produced a desired result. Certain practices you can get involved with will kill you. <laughs> Other practices will add life to your life on an ongoing basis. And these are some of the things that, that worked in their situation. We've been focusing in on this word fellowship. All right, They committed and devoted themselves to fellowship, which means a sharing in common. Okay, It means uh, partnership, participation. It, this word is translated contribution, communion, distribution, and communication. So think about those words when they say... The scripture says they devoted themselves to these components. They were devoting themselves to that expression, to that commitment, not just to the Lord, but to each other. How many know the individual that says, I, I love the Lord, but I can't stand people, is, uh, is missing something? Yeah. How many know our love for God is revealed in our relationships with people. Yeah, you don't love God and hate people and get away with it. <laughs> it's it, the reality is it's it's not true. Okay, and, and someone says I just have a wonderful relationship with the Lord. My prayer time is rich and God speaks to me. But they're fighting with fuss and fussing with everyone around them. Mm, I question your prayer life. I think it's not as good as you think it is. I think you might be like the Pharisee standing on the street corner praying thus with himself. Hmm. You, you might be having a conversation with your own mind <laughs> and think it's God. All right. You didn't like that as much as I did. But I relate, you know, it, it's kind of like this. If my kids are treating each other wrong, they have a problem with me. And I think the Father's that way. In other words, it's not just, well, my relationship with the Lord is great. Big whoop-de-doo. There's a whole world out there that Jesus died for. There is the body of Christ that's already been born into the family of God. And the Father really does care how we treat one another. How many know that's a big subject in the New Testament? Do a search sometime for the phrase, one another, in the New Testament. And you'll find it's a big deal. All right, And so our relationships with one another are vitally important to the Lord. They're vitally important to our personal growth and development. And, of course, it's not all about us. You know, and, and, and if we're thinking that way, this is what I want, this is what I like, and it's all about my likes and preferences, we've missed the heart of God by a mile. Okay? It's about someone else. Jesus came not to serve himself. Not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. And so let's follow in his footsteps. Skip down to the 46th verse then. So continuing daily 
with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So good results at the end of this habitual practice. This commitment, this dedication produced lost people coming into the family of God. Look over at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Just take a little right turn there. First chapter, First Corinthians. Did I say tenth chapter? I didn't mean that. First chapter, tenth verse. First Corinthians chapter one and verse ten. Paul writes to them and he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Now, that's pretty strong language. I plead with you, all of you people in the church at Corinth, you've got to say the same thing. In other words, they were saying different stuff. One person would say one thing, another person would say something else. How many know what that hinders? That hinders their corporate effectiveness. One person might say, well, what do I care If someone else says something different than what I say, I mean, my relationship with God is secure. I'm, I I love the Lord and walk with Him every day. I don't really care about what other people do. Well, here's what's wrong with that, okay? And and let me, let me, before I answer that, here's what's wrong with that. I'm a big advocate of your personal relationship with God standing on its own. You pray yourself. You receive yourself. You have your own relationship with God. It's not contingent upon someone else doing right or someone else praying. You know what I'm talking about? Every one of us should be able to contact and connect with and receive from God all by ourselves because we have a personal thing going on. He loves us and we know it and we walk with Him. Okay. Having said that, what's wrong with the attitude of I'm fine? I don't, who cares what someone else is saying? It's called, one will put a thousand to flight, and two will put ten thousand to flight. It's called, we are a body, we are a family. God designed that we not just have an individual relationship, but that we would come together and our efforts would be multiplied. That we would be able to have a dynamic impact on the world around us when we come together with a common vision, a common goal, and we say the same thing. See, it's the reason that the Lord has established local churches, not just we're all the body of Christ doing our own thing, never gathering together. He wants us together. He wants us to do things together. Why? Because we can be more effective. It's one of the reasons that we're doing what we're doing now. The Lord will give me a word. I'll teach from the Scripture. He'll give me a a vision. He'll give me a prophetic direction to take our church. And when I speak it, I speak it out. Then what's, what, what happens? There is the potential of many people grabbing hold of that word, receiving it in their heart as a word from God and saying, yes, that's me. I'm going to now say that. I'm going to act this way. I'm going to commit my life unto that end. How many know you get a large group of people doing that and look out devil, look out world, because we're about to make a difference that we couldn't do one person at a time on our own. It's part of the reason we're here today. You realize that? Because listen, if you're a believer, you're just as much saved at home this morning. I mean, if you were in your home, even in your bed this late, (laughs) 
You're still just as saved. The Lord hasn't left you. He, uh, he's still just as much going to the same heaven that I'm going to. But there is benefit to us gathering together. How many know the Lord told us that the five-fold ministry was given, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, for the equipping of the saints for what? The work of ministry. In other words, God wanted to pour into us corporately so we then could go out and do something for Him. All right. Hallelujah. So he told them, I want you to say the same thing. He went on to say that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So he said, I want you to have the same words. I want you to have the same thoughts. And I want you to discern and have the same judgment uh, concerning things in life. And that was necessary for their church to succeed. Now, they already had power. They had gifts. They were flowing. I mean, people were being changed. And there's some good things were happening. But they were divided in the midst of it. And God knew. And he told Paul, tell those guys, you need to knock it off. You need to start saying the same thing. You need to be on the same page together for this thing to move forward effectively. So, I stated at the top, the world needs leaders. You ever heard there's plenty of room at the top? The Lord needs some people. I say the the Lord needs us. The world needs us for their ultimate benefit for people to rise up and take the message, take the experiences they've had, take their knowledge of God, take their, their faith, their love walk, and go first. And lead the way. And help others to see what it really looks like to live a life with God. And how good that really is. Okay? You've heard this before probably, but leadership is often defined as influence. A leader basically is, is influencing another person to go a certain direction. What do you think you could do in your life to nudge someone forward? To kind of urge them to make progress with the Lord and in their life. Uh, we are all called, every single one of us, in dis- no matter our position, our title, or what we do in life, we're all called to lead by example. All right. The Lord wants to use the example of your life to make someone else think about their own life. Not the judgment of your life, not your critical attitude. No, the example of your life, you're just going to do it. You're going to be the way you think others ought to be. And by you doing it, you'll lead others. The example that we have the opportunity to set is, is, is a much more powerful thing than, than we realize. I know some say, I can't be a leader. I'm still working on myself. Well I, well, I think in one sense, we're all still working on ourselves. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's not a prerequisite to be perfect, to have everything in order in life to be used of God. He wants to use you where you are today and move you forward, and move some other people forward in that, in, that, in that process, there is a God-sized potential inside of you, and in those who are around you, those who are watching. And we see what, think, what, what can be, really what ought to be, but what can be should excite us, should thrill our hearts. Go with me over to Philippians chapter 3. Just a short turn to the right. If you've got a Bible like mine, made out of paper. 
I encourage you to have a Bible of your own. If you're electronic, there's some good uh, apps out there, good Bible apps for free. You can just do your own thing. Just make sure you're doing that and you're not texting everybody in town in the middle of a message, playing a game. If you see someone around you playing a game, playing it, you have my permission to hit them on the back of the head. In love, in love. Smack. What'd you get out of church? A bruise. Philippians chapter 3, notice with me verse 17, I see pictures going on over here, (laughs) Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul writes here, brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Now consider those words. Brethren, now, now let me back up. Paul is writing to a church and he is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. I mean, we believe that's the case. All Scripture is inspired of God. All right. So he is being moved not just out of his mind, not just, hey, this is a good philosophy, a good thought. He is being inspired by the Lord to write these words, and watch what the Lord is telling Paul to tell them. Follow me. King James Version uses that language, uh, not just follow my example, but be followers together of me. Now, watch. God inspired Paul to tell people to follow him. Now, some might say, I would never follow any man, any person. I would only follow the Lord. I only follow Jesus in my life. Well, then you're missing it. Oh, no, I'm just following the Lord because people make mistakes. Well, that part of it is true. (laughs) But still, in spite of the fact that people make mistakes and are in a, a process, the Lord still would instruct people to follow other people. And Paul wrote to them with boldness. He didn't say, I want you guys all to follow Jesus. Now, he's not not saying that. He's not telling them not to follow Jesus. But he said, I want you to do what I do. Can you say that? And if you want to get close to God, if you want to have success in your life, if you want to have victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave, and everything else in in life, just do what I do. That's quite a statement, isn't it? But the Lord inspired him to do that. This is why not only do we need leadership, we need people who are leaders who have victory. I mean, really, those who are personally making progress, they're developing in God, their faith is strong, they're walking with God every day, and they then can say, not follow every minute detail of every thought I do because, you know, you may miss it. But you can honestly say, do what I do. You can lead someone to the Lord and say, now... You're saved, you're on your way to heaven, you have a relationship with God. Now I want you just to do everything I do, and it's going to be good. I want you to pray like I do. I want, when you come to church, I want you to worship like I do. I want you to read, I want you to serve like I do. I want you to treat other people like I do. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? They got it real quiet like that. I don't want people to do what I do. Well, here's the thing, though. 
So if someone said, I don't want people to do what I do, you're already leading them. You're already influencing them. You're the influencing them to be a, a lousy, good for nothing, call yourself a Christian. Or you're leading them into something that works by your example. I know this can be a challenging thought. It is for all of us. But this is a godly principle here. Paul didn't say, he didn't add to there, well, unless I do something wrong. He wasn't apologizing in the middle of it. But was Paul perfect? He wasn't perfect in everything he said and did. He was a, he, he was a work in progress. I mean, he was definitely mature and was a good example. And no doubt that was the case. But he wasn't perfect in every way. He was perfect in heart. And I think that's the way we need to be. We can all be that today. What do you mean? I mean, be perfect in heart. That means if we blow it, we take ownership of it. We take responsibility for it. You know, uh, we're not making excuses. We're not trying to hide and be fake or phony. We're the real thing. And we acknowledge we are learning and growing ourselves. But uh, we can still tell others to follow us. So I don't really know if I want to be a leader then. Tough, you already are. You're influencing people on your job, in your family, in your church. You're influencing people by, by, by the fact that you're here. If you're not here and watching this somewhere else or listening to this, you're influencing people by the fact that you're not here. I'm just telling you, we can't, we, everything we go, everywhere we go, everything we do is having an impact on someone else. And us having that, the knowledge of that, we can just start to up our game. We can lift it up and say, okay, I want to... I want to do some stepping forward in my own life, some growth, some improvement, so that I can lead people in a more effective way. Go over with me to, with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy, the fourth chapter. Paul now wrote the book of First and Second Timothy. It was a letter from Paul to a individual person as opposed to a church. Paul was in the latter years of his life, had spent many years ministering and getting stoned and stuff and shipwrecked and, and, and preaching the gospel and going to jail and, you know, writing books and uh, had a lot of experience working with people, being in the ministry. And he was writing to Timothy out of that own experience and by inspiration of God uh, to Timothy, who was the pastor then. He was a leader in the church at Ephesus, which is, was a very large ministry. And he told Timothy a lot of things. In verse 4, excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 12, he writes, Let no one despise your youth. Now that's an interesting statement that Paul didn't write to the church that Timothy was in charge of, that he was a leader in, but he rather wrote to Timothy. In other words, he didn't tell the people, Now you guys need to start treating Pastor Timothy better. Huh? Now, no doubt if he was talking to them, there are some principles of, of respect and honor and so forth that would be appropriate. We know he wrote to the Hebrews and so forth, some of those things. But this is very interesting. He's writing to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, you do not let them despise your youth. Don't let them set you aside because of your young age. Timothy might have thought, well, what does that have to do with me? How can I control what people think about me? How can I control what someone else 
uh, thinks of whether they respect or despise me. Obviously, he could. Or he wouldn't have been told this. He wouldn't have been told to do something that he couldn't do. But Timothy could affect how people saw him, how they listened to him, how they received of him and his ministry by how he conducted himself. Yeah, he could influence and move people based on what he did in his own personal life, not just the fact that he, you know, said certain things or, or taught them certain principles, okay? He said, let no one despise your youth, but be an example. The way a person changes the perception of others toward them is by realizing that they are an example to others. Ready, okay? Now, I'm talking to leaders here today. Am I? Everybody accept that role? Accept that, that position? It is, whether you like it or not, to varying degrees. But if I'm talking to leaders, then you can influence how others see you. I don't mean 100% of the people. There's always going to be some ugly person out there that criticizes and condemns you and it's unjust and it's not right and there's always going to be someone mean out there. Okay, let's set them aside and let's take the principle. He told Timothy, if you'll be an example in these six areas, people will stop. They won't despise you. They'll follow you. They'll receive of your ministry. That's what he's telling them. Let's, let's look at these examples here. He said, number one, that you should be an example in word. In word. Anyone who's going to influence and lead others needs to watch their mouth. Yeah, your words can be used to tear up, to, to build up, or to tear down. They can, be, they can be used to bring life, or they can be used to bring death. Your words are going to determine what people think of you. If you let any thought that floats into your head come right out your mouth, good luck with your life. Because you're going to have a lot of issues. Leaders need to be, uh, they need to have control of their tongue. Remember James said, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole life. Yeah, if you can control what the words are that come out of your mouth. Fill your mouth, leaders, with God's Word. Let there be a constant flow of what the Lord has said, not just what you think and what you feel and, and you know, how you're hurt by this person and this person did you wrong. I, I know... Uh, you know, we have so many leaders in our country that are a horrible example. Every seems like every other day some politician's getting caught doing something. Lying about this, sleeping with this, taking pictures of their this, you know, and whatever. So they're always doing something and saying one thing and doing something else. Let's not be that kind of leader. How many know, if we're going to have, if we're going to be an example in word, what you say needs to be what you do. In other words, a consistency, a consistency there. When a person says, I'll be there for you, and then they're not. Hey, I'll do this, and then they don't do it. You know what they're doing? They're undermining all the confidence that other people have in them. They'll no longer be trusted. They'll no longer be counted on. There's a reason we can have faith in God. It's because He is faithful to His promise. Are you faithful to yours? Do you do what you say? When you commit to something, do you follow through? And do you, uh, do, you do exactly what you said you would do? Amen. Amen. Leaders can't afford to be those that talk about others. 
in a negative way. They can't afford to be those who repeat the negative stories that they heard of what someone else did. If someone else ever starts t- talking to you about how someone, another person has blown it and they did this and that, all they're telling you, you know what they're telling you? Is as soon as you do something, they're going to tell on you too. Because they've proven it by their actions that they're, they don't know how to shut things down. They don't know how to control their words. And this is something that is absolutely essential in leaders. Paul told Timothy, they, they're going to despise you if you don't watch your mouth. But they'll respect you if you will. Number two, he said, be an example in conduct. Conduct is your lifestyle. How many know it's your lifestyle that gives power to your words? If a person says one thing and does another, their words lack power. They lack influence. And uh, uh, make sure they are not opposing each other. Praise God. Have you ever heard the, the, the sayings that, that go like this? Your life... And what you do is speaking so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah. There's a, there's a reality that you can be saying the right thing, but doing the opposite, and that's all that's communicated. That's all that's communicated. You formulate your words. You use them with great precision and accuracy and do the opposite, and your precise and accurate words are lost forever. There's got to be a consistency in our lifestyle. Number three, he told them, be an example in love. I mean, no, that's the New Testament commandment right there. We are called in the New Covenant to love as Jesus loved us on the cross. And so we've got to, we, we've got to walk in love. How's your love life? Are you bitter, angry, upset, unforgiving, yeah, holding a grudge? Well, I'll forgive them, but bless God, I'll never forget what they did to me. <laughs> that's not how the love of God works. It forgives and separates as far as the east is from the west. And uh, there needs to be a, a, an attitude of love and a heart of forgiveness. Maybe you've heard the saying before people that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you, you care. Not all of you have heard that before. Yeah, there's some real, there's some real, tr- real truth to that. All right, it's the law of love. Number four, he told him, be an example in spirit, in spirit. I don't believe that's necessarily talking about spirit, soul, and body there, but rather uh, this word can be also translated as a mental disposition. He's talking about an attitude. He, he, he said, be an example in your attitude, in your own, uh, how you control your own thoughts, and how many know your attitude greatly will affect your success. Have you ever been around a person who was greatly skilled, highly talented, but had a rotten attitude? And you thought, you know, I'd take someone with half your talent and twice your attitude any day. You know, better attitude any day of the week. That's true. And how many know we, we can't all necessarily control the giftings that we are born with or received from the Lord? But I tell you, we can control our attitude. Huh? We can we can make sure that we are we have our our A game on constantly. I mean, no, you can be happy. You, <laughs> you can in the midst of everyone else's complaining. Bad attitude people, they're lousy lousy leaders, because little leaven leavens the whole lump, and they start complaining, and then someone else takes on their complaint. I mean, how many times have I seen uh, one person be offended, and it wasn't even their own offense; it was someone else's offense. I mean, no one even did anything to them. 
But someone did something to someone else and they cared about that other person and they shared that offense with them and pretty soon their offense became, became larger in them than it was in the other person. Huh? I tell you if, you, if you're hanging around a lot of people with a bad attitude, run. Get away from that because that can be infectious and that can really uh, hamper your own life from moving forward. We need to be people that are positive, people that are happy. Come on now, somebody smile. Be happy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We live in the glory. We drink from the river of His pleasure. I almost want to do a series on that. <laughs> Praise God. And so, he said, be an example in spirit. Negative attitudes don't, don't garner respect from anyone either. You might think it's, you know, sometimes people, they love to tell shocking and negative news. Did you hear what so-and-so did? But it doesn't earn you any respect. People won't come to you in their hour of need when you're a complainer. Hallelujah. Number five, number five, he said, be an example in faith. In faith. How many know we are called to walk by what? Faith and not by sight. Faith people. Faith people are not dominated by circumstances, by feelings, by what happens to them. They're dominated by the Word of God. This is so essential for leadership. So essential for those who want to be used of God. How you react and respond to stuff in life. Does it knock you down and knock you out? Something negative happens and it comes right out of the the air, right out of the environment, the circumstance, to your mouth. To your to your your disposition, to your your body language, and it's all I'm defeated, I'm hit, I'm knocked down by this world. Stand up strong and believe God. I, I know I know that part of the reason I've been able to influence some individuals in a in a godly and positive way is simply because in times of trouble, when I took a stand and said, "I believe God, it'll be as just as it was told me." I know this doesn't look right, this doesn't look so good, but God is faithful and nothing is impossible with Him and He'll do exactly what He said He would do. Let's believe God. Amen. I I remember uh, quite a few years ago, there was a situation where I had this little infection in my skin in a certain place and, and and I took a stand against it. It wasn't leaving quite as fast as... Uh, it should have, which was instant, of course, uh, wasn't leaving quite, quite as fast. And I was talking to another individual there who I, you know, I determined, I thought this person, they're on the same page with me. And normally I didn't feel like I would need this, but I, he didn't know this. I was going to say, what, would you get in agreement with me about this? We'll do Matthew 18 stuff there on this. You get an agreement, let's knock this thing out, be faster, I would appreciate your help. I didn't say that, but I was going to. But before I did, he said something to me uh, to the effect of, you ought to just go down uh, to the doctor and get a shot or something for that. And uh, some of you might miss, totally misunderstand this and take this the wrong way. But to me, I didn't say anything to him, but I was highly disappointed. Not that I'm down on anyone else who gets a shot. You get a, you can get a shot if you want a shot. <laughs> but you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, "Let's." Would you pray with me and agree with me concerning this? Because I, you know, what, what I wanted, 
I wanted someone with faith in God. I wanted someone who would deny the natural with me, who would turn their back on it and say no, and say, let's believe God according to His Word by His stripes. You are well. And I was looking for that, and in that situation, I didn't find it. I just think there's a whole lot of leadership potential with anyone in here who will stand up and say, I'm going to be a believer. I'm going to stand on God's Word in every situation. And if someone else around me wants my help, needs my faith added with theirs, they can come to me because we're going to lay hold of this together. Praise God. We've got a lot of those people around here. I know we do. I know our healing teams, they're doing that all the time, every single week. But leadership, I tell you, Tim, Paul told Timothy, you'll be respected. You won't be despised if you'll rise up and be an example in faith. Yeah. I like what an uh, individual who um, went to visit uh, Wigglesworth years ago. Wigglesworth, a man of God in heaven now. And he asked him one day how he was doing. Hey, how's it, how, how are you doing today? And he very sternly replied, he said, I do not ask Smith Wigglesworth how he's doing. I tell him. <laughs> and it was, you know, people were drawn to him big time because they knew. Even though he might be a blunt and abrupt with that kind of language, uh, he knows how to lay hold of the power of God. And sometimes I tell you, people need someone like that in their life. Why don't you be that person? Why don't you be that person for someone else who will say, yes, God will do this for you. He said it in His Word. Praise God. And then number six, he told, he told Timothy, be an example in purity. This, this can concern many areas of life, but I think uh, this is really, we might just boil it down to this, talking about integrity. He said, you need to be a person full of integrity. Be pure in your motives and your actions and your, your life. Of course, it would include sexual purity and that kind of stuff and being upright in that regard. But be a person full of integrity. People who are pure, they're not necessarily perfect in all they do. But I tell you what, they are those who don't blame others. They take responsibility for their own actions and their own life and their own decisions. And this is what we need in leaders, all right? We're in the world, but we are not of the world. And we need to recognize that we are aliens in this place. We are foreigners in a strange land because our citizenship is of heaven today. But we are here. But we are here to represent God. We are ambassadors into the earth. We are, we are the examples. Like I said last week, you are God's plan. He doesn't have another plan. There is no plan B to reach this world. It's you. It's me. And if we're going to be used of God and do something, you know, with our lives that has eternal value, we just need to see this as a challenge to, to up our game. Like I said, we are leading others. Maybe some of us can do it more intentionally. Maybe some of us can put ourselves in a position to lead others. And all of us can, put, can do this. We can watch our example, realizing that wherever we go, we are influencing others for righteousness or unrighteousness. To do right or to do wrong. We just need to be real. I think more than someone looking for a, a religious expert, they're looking for someone who has a genuine relationship with God. 
someone who really loves God. They may be in a process and in, in progression themselves, but they're the real thing. They love God and they're moving forward and they're trusting God and they're walking with Him the best they know how and are growing and learning. See, we need to be about enlarging people. Like I said, recognizing the God potential that is in their lives. Help, uh, help someone else to see the significance of their own life and how it is so valuable and important to God and to others. Christianity then... And this Christian fellowship we're talking about, it is about sharing our lives with other people. It is about sharing what God has revealed to us, what we have come through, what we have overcome, and letting that be a tool in someone else's belt. Let, letting that be a tool that they can use to have victory and success in their own life with God. Amen? Amen. Praise God.